Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are coming towards the end. We're talking about episode 5 of the Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi show with myself, Paul Hoppy, and Ashley Coffin. All that and more after commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew Fox. They're them pronouns. I'm Ashley Coffin. And I'm Paul Hoppy. All right, folks, we're almost to the end. Episode five, the uh, Riva Strikes Back. What would you think? Oh, I loved it. I, I really liked this episode. <laughs> I really hated how in this episode there were just so few things that I want to complain about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, in, Don't in pander. All <laughs> a little slow roll. Um, I really enjoyed it. By far my favorite episode of the series and really the only one that I have no significant quibbles with. Yeah, I would say that too. And I'll, I'll just jump right in by starting with, I remember when we were having a discussion, someone on this, someone on the other podcast, the other episode on Kenobi I did, where I was talking with uh, the Hayashis, and we're talking about this idea of would Reva, you know, have a redemption arc of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that to some extent, I liked her being evil. I liked her being badass. I didn't want her to sort of turn away from the dark side. And I feel like, I'm curious what your all thoughts are, I think we got the best of both worlds. Because I think what this is saying is, she is not working for Vader, she has never been working for Vader, she is following her own ambitions, which include revenge against Vader, and she's willing to do anything and kill anyone who gets in her way of that. So she is helping our hero, but she is still very much using the dark side of the force. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, okay, that's that's the perfect way to thread the needle that I wasn't even expecting and that I'm really here for. I I agree. I, I feel like I was pretty happy that I kind of got the story that I wanted because I definitely remember saying on like, oh, she's definitely going to have a hero term, but I didn't want it to be just full hero. So I kind of like, but has she actually used the dark side? I mean... I mean, she's done some... I haven't seen her do any like powers i think she's just full-on dark side like i think it's i i would not describe this as a hero turn um Mm -hmm. i think you know she's using her anger for the purposes of vengeance like she's and that's what we wanted (laughs) yeah she's a dark side force user right who was going to be a jedi right she was a a padawan or not a padawan she was a youngling i guess Mm -hmm. and you know she got so angry as a little kid, she became a dark side force user and got recruited by the Empire and was just plotting her revenge the entire time. And so, yeah, yeah I'd say she's... She is, I think, a perfect... Um, I'm always looking for examples of this. I think she's an anti-villain. Like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She wants to do something that most... Of the heroes are like, yes, good, killed Vader, right? Good. But she does not want to do it for heroic reasons. She just wants to do it out of pure vengeance. And I mean, yeah, there's stories that are basically just about vengeance. And, um, you know, you can just be like, well, that's basically the hero. Like, you know, Desperado or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. The pun- the Punisher. Right. Yeah, the Punisher. Thing. But, like, here, she doesn't seem to care about collateral damage. Right, she seems mm-hmm. sort of like blinded by the dark side of the force or by her thirst for vengeance, and um, yeah, I, I feel like this was a very satisfying um, sort of delivery on 
wanting her to be something more than just like a random inquisitor, but also kind of feeling like if she has this big change of heart hero turn, I, I felt like that was going to feel like very manufactured and, and mm-hmm. not genuine from what we'd seen so yeah. far. And um, this just, to me, like delivers really well on what her character could be. My, I mean, my only complaint is not with this ish episode, but with the structure of the series where I think this was meant to play as some big reveal. But to me, it just seemed like the least surprising thing ever. And I feel like the earlier episodes would have been more enjoyable for me anyway if they'd shown her backstory in the beginning and then didn't play this like it was supposed to be some big twist that we weren't supposed to mm-hmm. see coming. Yeah. No, I agree I can with see that. that. I think I enjoyed her a lot more early on. So yeah. I found this turn at this point in time very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely can see why if you weren't sort of drawn in by her early. Uh, it wouldn't. And yeah, and just to go to that question, like, is she dark side? I think, like, we have a couple of specific powers, like force choking, that have been kind of defined as dark side. Although, like, I mean, Luke uses them in Jabba's palace. <laughs> right. I think it's much more kind of the, the – Paul, I think you kind of hit the two key points. Is One is she her power comes from her emotion, you right. know, her rage, her anger, her fear at times. Like, all those things make her more powerful, which is very much dark side. But also that that whole, um, you know, she doesn't care about collateral damage. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. there is not a part of her, I think, that would have felt in any way bad if she had to torture or even kill Leia, this 10-year-old girl, to get what she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's I like, I, like, I think if it had happened last episode, if she'd been like, oh, I can't really hurt you, you're a cute 10-year-old, I would feel very differently. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. That would yeah. be a very different story. I just thought mm-hmm. it was strange that we didn't see her... Like she didn't force push anything that I can remember. It was just like the lightsaber the whole time. Oh. I can't think of any time when she actually used the force. She used the force very little overall, I will say. I, mm-hmm. You're right about that. Yeah. Because oh. you think you would have used it against Vader. Push his push him right back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe she tried, but just like Vader, you know. Mm, like True. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the fact that she couldn't, she couldn't force use his mind. Uh, she couldn't oh, force yeah. use to like to read to either to read like she did use the force to to read the mind of the fake Jedi guy. Mm-hmm. Right. She couldn't but break she, Leia. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't break right, Leia. She tried. But that must be a thing. Is I mean, like maybe part of why Vader like kept her in the inner circle as an Inquisitor, even though he knew that she was probably going to betray him. Was because he also wasn't that afraid of her because he knew she was not like super strong in the force. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, Vader was definitely very confident in terms of like, you, you're not a threat to me, you know, I, right. mm-hmm. which I don't think he views any of the Inquisitors as like a big threat, right? I mean, I know I mm-hmm. saw some things about some of the backstories in the comics and whatever that I guess are maybe, you know, Disney canon or whatever, but like, it seems like Vader's just clearly the most powerful, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> Only can stop one ship, though, not two. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which, like, I have some things to say there. But, like, uh, that's, that. That's, that's my list. That's the only thing on my list. <laughs> yeah. That, that, like, um, 
So obviously this was kind of like a callback to like the attack on Hoth, right? With mm-hmm. the rebels hold up and like the first transport is away. The first transport is away. <laughs> but uh, I just, I watched Empire Strikes Back last night before this. <laughs> I was yeah. like, let's see what um, parallels there are. Um, okay. It also felt a lot like the siege of Helm's Deep to me in uh, the two towers. Yeah. But, right. very true. But, um, is but, it tr- oh, good. oh, just there were a lot of parallels to the last couple episodes of the Clone Wars as well. Like Vader looking at, you know, sort of the going through hyperspace like Ahsoka was and then having the two oh, lightsabers yeah. like Ahsoka did and using the force to stop a ship uh, like Ahsoka tried to, you know. And um, and so I think there were like deliberately, it's like they were deliberately referencing <laughs> so many different things. <laughs> mm-hmm. They only have one episode left. They got to get in as many as possible. Right, exactly. It's like, let's get some Clone Wars references in with our episode five Empire Strikes Back references. <laughs> and the, this is the way. It's funny. I did have one thing that bothered me. The The ship thing didn't bother me because the the idea that I got was that it was a huge amount of strength that he had to use to like not only stop that ship, but literally pull it back down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And that he was kind of like catching his breath when the next ship took off. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> to me, it's you specifically like taunted Obi-Wan with you shouldn't have left me alive. Mm. And then he leaves oh. Re- like I, I know, get that I know. They, they want Reva to be, be there for episode six. I couldn't think of any other reason to leave her alive. Like it made or even if he did, that the Grand Inquisitor wouldn't be like, Okay, well, whatever, Vader, yeah. I'm gonna kill you. You know, like it just that one moment, especially with the call out for Obi Wan not doing it, made no sense. Yeah. Well it's the it's the number one villain move. You leave them without being sure that they're dead. Leave you in the gutter. Yeah, I I totally <laughs> I totally agree about that. Where um, n- like the reveal of Riva's actual motives makes her leaving Haja alive make sense, mm-hmm. right? But it's mm-hmm. like she literally did the same thing to the Grand Inquisitor who survived that, and now <laughs> they did this to her, and it's like. On some level, it's like they know she's going to survive, and that's part of their game, but that didn't make any sense because they said that they thought she was useless to them. Mm -hmm. And then the whole thing about her finding the transmitter at the end, I'm like, okay, you know, that was, to me, that was like almost, that was like set up for the next episode. And I was like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is how we're going to get there. And that feels very contrived. And them not killing her didn't seem to make any logical sense in world to me. But, you know, for me, I was already like, okay, we got through the episode without any of the things that happened in the episode really bothering me. (laughs) So, like, we'll just call that a win. And, you know, the the ship thing. Ashley, were you bothered that that Vader couldn't stop the second ship? It was just that he didn't even like when they when he lifted the ship, I guess I wasn't looking to see if there was an equally just as big ship right behind it that he wouldn't even have looked at to see if there was movement or if it was on. And then he didn't even like you would give it a go. You think like I, 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 I get he'd be tired, but you would at least put just give it a try. Right. And up. Now he was just like, ugh. I, I can see that. I, I kind of had almost the opposite issue with it where I didn't as much, but Lee was kind of like, oh, come on. Like, really? They can do this? And I'm like, well, and I like had to pause <laughs> it. It pulled otherwise... out of there real fast, too. That ship was just up and out. Right, exactly. But like in Empire Strikes Back, Vader walks in and the Millennium Falcon just flies out. Yeah. He doesn't do anything to try and stop it, mm-hmm. you know? And then here, 10 years earlier, 
you know, he's able to do this and, you know, Ahsoka is able to do something like this in the Clone Wars and, you know, Rey and Kylo Ren are basically doing something like that in Rise of Skywalker. And to mm-hmm. me, it's just one of the big issues with massive connected universes is just power escalation, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. power inflation, basically, where it's like here Vader's able to do something that clearly he wasn't able to do in the original trilogy because mm-hmm. they either hadn't thought of having him be able to do that in the original trilogy. They didn't want him to be able to do that because it wasn't convenient for the plot. Mm-hmm. Or it was like, you know, they just hadn't escalated to that point. And so, right. you know, here it, it that that's one of the reasons that to me, I actually kind of found like a little a little mental hack here where I've just decided that for me, this series is a sequel to the prequels, not a prequel <laughs> to the original trilogy. And as such, like, the bar's a little lower. There's no responsibility to what comes after. I don't think the prequels and the original trilogy fit that well together. And I really don't think they fit that well with the sequel trilogy, which doesn't even really fit with itself that well. But, like, (laughs) kind of viewing each thing as its separate little segment, right? Like, where, Mm -hmm. okay, Mandalorian goes with the original trilogy. This goes with the, the prequel trilogy. And maybe eventually there'll be some stuff that goes with the sequel trilogy. And, like... You know, kind of like segmenting these things mentally a little bit. I think <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it just helps me just to be just like, yeah, if it kind of doesn't fit with that, that's okay. That other thing is still that other thing. And I don't have to let my view of that be like influenced by this. I think mm-hmm. it's a good way to do it. And I certainly think like, I think for me, it, it, like I said, it did feel a little more believable because it just looked like he was kind of like exhausted from that effort. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. But I could also see, yeah, I, I think like... <clears throat> There's a number of ways I could head candidate. You know, I could mm-hmm. say that like they are driven by emotion, and so like the <clears throat> I want to stop Obi Wan versus I want to stop this random rebel ship that might help me get information to this person who might be connected to someone who I might know. Like which I can one's see that? that? Is that the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, because at that point he doesn't oh. really quite know who oh, Luke is. I was he like, wow, he, hmm. he cared that much about the people on that ship. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, I think he has less direct reason to be fired up about that moment with, mm-hmm. um, right, in Falcon. Empire, in Empire, yeah. Okay, but 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 also, it's also ten years later, so maybe he's more past his prime. But like, the show could have given us a line about that, you know, could have sure. given us the Inquisitors being like, "Wow, I've never seen him do that before." And it's like, yeah, that's he must have really been feeling the emotion. You sure, know, something to acknowledge, like, because that's the thing is, if you give me something that doesn't fit somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And just acknowledge that you as a writer acknowledge that it – I'm saying that word too often. If you just acknowledge that you as a writer know that it doesn't fit and you're going to at least kind of pretend you're giving us a reason, like, cool, that's fine. Right. Mm-hmm. It's when you act like it does – like you said, it's, it's when you act like it's totally logical that he would uh, be able to do this to this ship but not to the Falcon. You're right. That's when it starts to like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> referred to as lamp shading. Right, where yeah. you're basically like, yeah, we we know. Just let's just okay. Can we? Yeah. Thank you. You know, <laughs> I, I feel like that probably would have ended up being super awkward, but sometimes it can be done either really well or really badly. So it would be right. it would be a challenge, you know. But um, well, right, it's funny you know. because I don't like I wasn't thinking about the f- sure. him doing that, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, of course Vader can do that. The you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. But for you, it was the second ship that didn't make sense. Yeah, it was just them, right. like, we're hiding back here. And he didn't even notice, or I didn't even notice when I was watching the show that there was another ship that right. was pulled oh, there's out another and was ship? fine. 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and there was like like no movement on that one. And that other one, I don't know. I had to yeah. pick a gripe. And that that was it. Okay. Okay. Well done. <laughs> well done. That's you fair. came up with a gripe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. So back to what uh, stuff that folks like. So what do you think of the, the whole idea of the Grand Inquisitor and like him coming back and them having this plan? I was just really glad that he came back because so many people were crying, ah, broke my continuity. And then I was like, of course, we're going to bring that guy back. But so many people were mad. I saw so many different like anger comments about that guy being dead. Because what does it break continuity from the uh, animated show? Is a character that shows up later in the timeline. Okay. You know, so. So yeah, when he came back, I was like, "Oh, look, such a shock!" But yeah. I was, I was happy to see him because he's a sassy. He's sassy. I like him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was so obviously not dead after episode two, and like yeah. it just seemed so silly that people were that upset about it. Just in terms of like, it just seemed so gullible to me. I was like, "Really? Yeah. You think this guy's yeah. dead? Like, really?" <laughs> He just got stabbed one time. We let you know. We saw um, you know uh, Fennec Shand survive like a, a gut shot, right? And like mm-hmm. she's just a normal human. Like yeah, she's tremendously badass, but she's not like using the force and like her rage and thirst for vengeance to like survive. <laughs> you know, it was like mm-hmm, come on. Yeah. Of course, like freaking Darth Maul got bisected and survived. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like somehow Palpatine survived. Like. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm the continuity guy. I'm the person who's on record complaining about things that didn't seem to fit continuity. That never bothered me. Because yeah. I never thought for a second that he was actually dead. Yeah. yeah. If he was um, actually dead, then it's like, okay, if you're going to say Rebels isn't canon anymore, like, yeah, that's messed up. Like, Rebels is better than a lot of other of the content. So yeah. why would you want to retcon it? But, like, mm-hmm. it was just so obvious. I mean, like, come on. Come on. Yeah. It, to me, it was kind of like... um you know, towards the end of Loki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there, was, there was that episode where, like, two characters, like, in theory, died. Right, they get hit with a stick. And, like, fans I knew were so upset. <laughs> they were so, and I was like, Are you come serious? on. How could you possibly leave that your two big stars are dead? Right, like, right. Yeah, there's okay. three episodes left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no way those characters are actually dead. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of back from the dead, uh, or, or at least, you know, careers oh. being resurrected, uh, we did finally get to see Mr. Hayden doing yeah. his acting thing. What'd you think of the, uh, not the 40 year old virgin, but the 40 year old Padawan? They look, I thought they did a good job with the, uh, the young, the younging CGI the young-ing? or whatever. Yeah. The younging <laughs> of them, not to be mistaken with like younglings. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> the the younglinging. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I enjoyed every second of that. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's a lightsaber duel. Like, more mm-hmm. of those. Yes, please. Thanks. Um, <laughs> and, like, it it felt, like, fine in terms of, like, the acting and any, everything. I didn't have any issues with that. It fit. It felt like it fit well in this episode. And that kind of also sort of reinforced my feeling like, okay, let's just experience this as a sequel to the prequels, which I didn't love yeah. but had parts that I liked a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, this it it felt kind of like a nice I don't know it almost reminded me a little bit of like Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield showing up in yeah you know in in um in a, a movie mm-hmm. that I didn't love but like 
that that part of it was really enjoyable. And here, this Anakin, honestly, this Anakin felt a little more to me like the Clone Wars Anakin than <laughs> the uh, prequel trilogy live action Anakin, which I love the Clone Wars Anakin, you know? So, um, you know, I didn't find the de-aging super convincing. It's like, oh, they, you know, yeah. took like a 40-year-old and made him look like he's 30 pretending to be 18, <laughs> you know? Okay, yeah. you know, basically uh, he looks like he could play a teenager in Hollywood, right? Like right. It was really good use of the lightsaber to kind of absolutely. distract you. And they're like yeah. far away shots. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think they'd done any de-aging. I thought. I thought the oh. idea was supposed to be that it was like, because they're each thinking about it today, they kind of imagine themselves as they are today instead of back then. But like, yeah, to me, I thought it was a fantastic scene. I really liked the lightsaber fight. I also really liked sort of Obi Wan kind of like pointing out the things that Anakin is still getting wrong, and them, yeah. both of them, like reflecting on it because of how it comes up in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there were close-up scenes of this 40-year-old man with a stupid braid. And I was like, yeah, okay. That was two <laughs> seconds out of my life that I could get back. But whatever. It's everything else about that scene. And I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, – I, I don't think Hayden ever went so far as to say something like, I learned how to better play this character from the voice actor who was playing him in The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. But he certainly has said that watching The Clone Wars helped him a lot. And I think – yeah, this this version felt closer to the version that Matt Latner played. Matt Latner did the voice for yeah. in Clone Wars, and I think that's better. I think it makes him a better character. I think yeah. anything that they would have uh, put on film would be better than every second of the and, other ones. Because <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> McGregor well, kind of had to like act down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, like. I mean, uh, you know, I've only seen Hayden Christensen in, like, one other thing, which also wasn't a very good movie. Was that... it Shattered Glass? No, it was um, um, it was, it was a ways back. It was uh, Jumper. Oh, okay, Jumper. Ugh. Right, which, like, okay, you know. Great power, and, bad movie. And that kind of made me think, like, all right, maybe it's not the content, maybe it's the actor. And, like, I, but... But, like, the movie itself wasn't very good. And, like, it's not like Samuel L. Jackson was great in it either. You know? Natalie Portman's right. lines are so, like, you're like, girl, I know you can act. You've been doing it since you were very little. Yeah. No, I was talking about Jumper. But, yes, exactly. Oh. The, the original trilogy. I mean, uh, you know, Samuel L. is in both, you, right? Yeah, you but, <laughs> but it, like. Okay. Got this. <laughs> I mean, I just think George Lucas is not a good writer-director. I think George, George yeah. Lucas is a really good story writer. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, apparently... I don't know. Have you seen some of the clips on like how Star Wars had to be saved from its di- horrible, horrible dialogue that like didn't make yeah. it into the? There's some things you can oh, you no. know look it up yeah, on YouTube, I- like Mark Hamill saying these lines, and it's like, oh wow, that's a that's a bad line. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's not quite Jaws level of editing, but Lucas's wife, who did the editing, is thought of as being like in the same way that that person saved Jaws, this mm-hmm. person saved Star Wars. Edith. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's even there's even things that they just didn't shoot because they were like this this dialogue can't you just can't you know yeah. But it was a great story you know and I think here it's like I think you've got a story and you know and I I think Deborah Chow is a better director than George Lucas you know so yeah. the same actor you're gonna get more out of them you know and that's not to take anything away from you know anyone's performance right I mean obviously the actor still has to do the thing but mm-hmm. you know I think having a better director having better writers like I, I think I think it helps I think it helps a lot it helps so, a lot and better yeah. direct yeah yeah like 
I think of George Lucas because I don't want to like discount the amazing things he's he's done, but I think of him very much like J.R.R. Tolkien, and mm-hmm. that both of them built these incredible worlds, but the worlds really come to life when someone else is actually telling the story in those worlds. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to a greater extent, uh, for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, so what else? What else? We got uh, Leia crawling around in the ducks a little bit. That was also, I thought, a little bit eye-rolly. I don't quite know why you put your, like, breaker board in a place that no one else is going to be able to get to. <laughs> right. um, I, I, I'm going to say, having done lighting crew and having climbed around in just bizarre parts of structures, <laughs> like, I think that's totally a thing. Okay. You okay. know? Okay. Like, that many loose wires hanging around, too. And so many loose wires hanging around. Do. You have no idea. Definitely not fair, OSHA compliant. Fair. But, like, I mean, we've seen the working conditions in Star Wars. Come on, you know? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, it's not well designed. But it's not like they built this thing custom for their own use, right? They're, like, repurposing some other facility. So, you know, I I, Mm -hmm. I found I didn't love that Lolo was, like, the saboteur. I mean, it makes sense plot-wise. But it's just like, oh, you're going to take the droid and make, you know, her kind of like that. (laughs) That evil little droid. Exactly, (laughs) you know. I was okay with it only because I didn't want some scene of a 10-year-old girl having her heart broken by having to destroy her own droid. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. And so when it was just like, oh, Lola, you betrayed me. I'll take off this restraining bolt. Everything's fine now. <laughs> so much like, better than the alternative. Okay, okay, that's so much better. I'm, I'm, y- you dodged a real bullet there, and I'm okay with this now. <laughs> yeah, I agree totally. Especially because, like, one of the things that I love so much about Princess Leia both in A New Hope, but even more so in uh, Rebels, is she feels someone, She feels like someone who thinks she can get away with anything. Mm-hmm. In part because, and I don't mean this in a bad way, the way it sometimes can come off, I think she's had this very entitled, privileged like upbringing mm-hmm. where she could get away with anything. Right. And so she does have, like, she knows she's going against Imperial Stormtroopers, and, like, if something goes wrong, they could shoot her in the kind of, like, um... You know, where she comes up in Rebels and stuff like that. But she still has this attitude of, like, come on, guys. I'm a princess. You're not going to say no to me. Let's be honest here. Right. And, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like every step you take towards making her have these traumatic experiences when she's a kid makes it more like, but why then isn't she jaded? Why isn't Mm. she more broken by that? And so... Like, the fact that she never actually is tortured, it, it like, I mean, she, it's pretty traumatic what she goes through, but still it stops before the actual torture, and mm-hmm. then she doesn't have to actually destroy, like, her best friend droid. It's like, okay, you're pushing it already a little bit, but I appreciate you're, like, not going that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she kind of keeps making it out okay of all these, you know, very messed up yeah. situations, and it's like, okay, I can see why she would think things are going to go well for her. Yeah, right. when she fell off that building. Right, yeah, exactly. It's like, fault. oh. I'm invincible. <laughs> That's where that my story with that kid would have ended. Bye. Keep running. I'm trying to help yep. you. Sorry. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, it was kind of cool to see. Um, I can never remember the character's name. Uh, Camille Johnny, though, I think is the actor. Tala. Um, Kala, yeah. Um, see him him pop back. Oh, never mind. About, like, yeah, oh, I was wait, like, who? I thought Tala's the oh, girl. So, Come, yeah, I Kamal. thought you were talking about someone else. You're talking about uh, Haja. Haja. Haja, yeah, thank you. I thought him coming back was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, th- yeah, Ta- Tala's death, though, that was... Here's my thing about Tala's death. And again, I really did like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is going like, to be so fun. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think for the three of us, like, 
I've heard you can actually do some very good podcasts. They're just talking about all the things you love and going in depth about them. <laughs> I think even on Superhero Ethics, we do that a lot. I think for the three of us, the particular energy we bring, we're three East Coasters, which means we're all kind of like terrible people. <laughs> and so we just like we're going to get into the critique. Um, we are very honest people who are speaking the truth. <laughs> that is what we are. Yeah. I found and certainly never pretentious or found that very or better offensive. Than you could just tell that you guys are poker players. I don't I'm consider like myself pretentious. Player so because I want everyone at the table to win, and you guys are just trying to win. <laughs> <laughs> poker, hey, look, somebody wins, somebody loses. That's where the money comes from. That's how I it played is. a lot of blackjack we in Vegas this last weekend. But back, back to the topic. I'm going to Vader like grab us and sure. pull us back. Yeah. Um, I'll be totally exhausted we, by the end. We'll be in another we'll, ship going off. Yeah, he while only you're has there. one. He only gets one, so you let only him get have one. it. <laughs> All right, the editing button is going to be used very liberally here. Here's the thing: one of the ideas of the Jedi Code is that like you're supposed to love life without like being too attached to any one particular person, you know. And so when towards the end of Attack of the Clones, the second movie, and uh, Anakin wants to stop and make sure that uh, uh, that Padme is okay. Obi Wan's like, "No, you can't do that. They'll kick you out of the order. Mm-hmm. You can't." And he says to him later, "You cannot be so focused on any one person. You have to be focused on the larger picture." Mm-hmm. And that's an essential part of the Jedi that we get from the movies, from the TV shows, from the books. And so to have Obi Wan watching so many people in this group that is, he's trying to help be killed or wounded, many of them wounded, and he's not upset about it, and he's not going back for them. And then the person he's been who's been helping him for a couple of episodes now, which is maybe like 72 hours total, maybe a week total, and all of a sudden he's super upset, and he's fighting to go back and get her. Mm-hmm. It just felt very out of character for him. Mm. Hmm. I don't know. I feel like they had built a relationship, like a friend, you know, I don't know, relationship over the last couple episodes more than, say, that guy who I can't remember his name uh, that we were supposed to be upset about in the last episode. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think I think they had, to be sure. Wait, oh, God. I, I think they had, to be sure, but I think his whole thing is, like, you're not supposed to get that upset about the person who you've only, you know, who, even if they are very close to you. Mm. All Which right. is why the one time he did do it, it's so particularly affecting. Right, and so I kind of think... Uh, first of all, like this is a different Obi-Wan than he was 10 years mm-hmm. earlier. But also in the time during the Clone Wars, I think that happens a lot. Where, I mean, I don't think Obi-Wan is somebody who's never had attachments, right? right. I think mm-hmm. he sees like that. Like I said, as I think this... there's one very notable exception, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. But not one note. I mean, numerous very no- I mean, Anakin was definitely a very notable exception. So was Padme, mm-hmm. for that matter. Even whatever he might have said in. Attack of the Clones, Mm -hmm. you know, I think Obi-Wan, you know, saw that as this, you know, the Jedi creed. Also, I mean, like, Attack of the Clones was terrible. So, like, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm going to, not going to have that inform Obi-Wan's character too much in my regard. But I think it, like, it made sense to me, you know, like, that is who I understand Obi-Wan to be at this point in time. And, you know, I, I mean, first of all, I think the idea of the, the, the non-attachment on some level is fairly ridiculous and the entire reason that you end up losing Anakin to the dark side, right? Like, it's... <laughs> I think that's very true, but I don't think it makes it not the story. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the yeah. story, right? But, like, 
I mean, first of all, like maybe one, maybe Obi-Wan kind of learned something from that. But also in this story, I feel like Obi-Wan has formed attachments after a period of isolation mm-hmm. and like a decade I mean, of him solitude. And Leia. You know, with Leia, I think with Tala, um, maybe not anyone else too much, you know, but I think, um, yeah, it didn't feel out of character to me at all. It felt. I mean, and, you know, he did then just kind of go on pretty quickly. Like, they didn't super belabor it. I'll I'll say th- this is, I, I think this is funny because, like, I don't know, a large percentage of character deaths in stories really bother me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and here I felt like, first of all, I went into this episode feeling like most of these people are probably going to die horribly very soon. Right. Like, like when I saw Rogue One, I was just like, none of these people are going to make it through this movie alive, you know? And so (laughs) then, you know, how it ends up, like, doesn't bother me at all. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's the story. Cause of course that's the story. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and to me, it just, it felt like it made sense in context. Like she had agency and accomplished a thing, right? Like Obi-Wan wants to save everybody, but you know, he can't. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did feel like her backstory felt like a little wedged in here. And I was like, oh, okay, you're you're doing this maybe like so that we like feel something or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. you know, we hadn't really had a long time to get to know her. It's been, you know, three episodes, which, you know, mm-hmm. you're right in terms of story time is probably just a few days or something. Um, but yeah, it just it felt to me like here's something that makes sense in context. You know, the characters are a couple of the characters are having some clear reaction to it, but they're also in the middle of a a fight and they're not like, it felt like they weren't freezing on that and like doing one of those, let's have slow motion and a lot of music and like, you know what I mean? JJ was nowhere close to this and that made it much better. Right. And, um, you know, I, I was like, she's holding a thermal detonator. Wait, that's episode yeah. six. But <laughs> I was like, throw it, throw it. What are you doing? Right, yeah, yeah. Why, why not just throw it? Why not just throw it? Um, but, you know, the fact that there were so many stormtroopers and, um, you know, an inquisitor and it felt like, okay, this is definitely a reasonable spot for things to not go super well as opposed mm-hmm. to some sort of thing that the heroes had like, this is what bothers me sometimes is when, like, writers are like, okay, we're going to kill off this character so that we can get either an emotional reaction from the audience or from some character, right? Right. And the thing that makes that particularly irksome is when it's, like, some situation, some scenario that they've basically escaped from a hundred times. And then all of a sudden they don't. And it's, like, it just feels contrived to me. And it's, like, they just wanted to write this this way. Here it felt like this did feel like an organic way that the story would go. And like, I don't know, it's just a rare time that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I was totally okay with her dying. I was, to- I, and, and even him being emotional about it didn't bother me. It was more because like, and granted, I, I've rewatched all of Clone Wars fairly recently. Yeah. Like there are numerous times where even though he is very connected to Ahsoka um, or even Anakin, you know, he is like, look, we have to focus on the wider mission. We yeah. can't, let our emotions control. And and maybe this was also how it was shot because again, like there was a second ship. So there's, a, and like, why weren't those people already on the ship? It's really ready for when you could launch. That was, Which yeah, you, no, no. That was like, why, why aren't they all on the ship? Why weren't they on the ship the whole freaking time? <laughs> like, yeah. 
to me, what it felt like was at this moment when they all needed him to help them get to the ship and protect them to get to the ship, that he was like, okay, forget you. I'm going to go see if Tal is okay. And it was that idea of, you know, going away from your larger responsibility to focus on the one person because you have a particular emotional attachment to them. Mm. That feels like the whole thing that he's been critiquing Anakin for this whole time. And so that's the thing that felt like off to me. Well, maybe that's why they did it. Because God, is he's like the the Jedis are such hypocrites. Right. But like, was he actually (laughs) going away from, I mean, he was trying to be there trying to hold people off. Right. And then she's like, Mm. no, you go and I will hold them off and blow myself up. Like he wasn't the door. He wasn't shirking his responsibility in, in any way I saw. He just wanted to also be there and fight and die, probably. Like, <laughs> that, you know? That's certainly possible. Like, like I said, uh, the, the way the whole thing was shot, it's kind of hard to tell what was going on. I, that was the impression I got. Okay. I could well be wrong on that. Uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty clear that like all the stormtroopers and Reva were coming down that tunnel or whatever. And um, a bunch of them were trying to hold them off, including Obi-Wan. And then Tala was basically like... And he was like, oh, let me try and help her. But also... He's confronting the stormtroopers there, and then mm-hmm. she's just like, "No, go, leave me," you know. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, it didn't feel to me like there was somewhere else he was supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. So I, but I don't know that. I mean, if there was, then I could see that being more of an issue. But again, like I feel like in the Clone Wars and in Attack of the Clones, you know, he's trying to be this example for people, right? He's right. trying to be an example for Anakin. This is how we do it. You know, and to Ahsoka, well, we have to do it this way, Ahsoka. I'm teaching you. He's being a teacher. Here he's not being a teacher. I mean, he gave that very brief speech, but it's like, also like that's not a speech that annoyed me a whole bunch. You know, it's just like it was it was kind (laughs) of short. You know, I was like, okay, yeah, that's those seem like useful things for people to know. Okay, let's go do it. You know, yeah, Um, that's fair. But yeah, it just I don't know. I I didn't feel like he was like really shirking his duty. And also, I just think that this Obi-Wan is acting in a very different capacity than mm-hmm. in Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I think that's definitely true. I think, to me, it also goes to, you know, we were talking before, at least I certainly was, about, like, that part of what I was looking forward to in this show was some more self-reflection or ju- just giving us more of a picture of, like, yeah. yeah, does he kind of look back on it and go, maybe we should have not been so strict with Anakin about attachments? Right. Or is he, like oh, God, the little bit of attachment that I let Anakin have is what destroyed him. You know, like, I think if I'd had more of that interiority from him, this scene would have made more sense. Sure. But, Hmm. you know, it's... I'm seeing a lot of takes right now that are like, oh, my God, you didn't give us the exact take I wanted, so this is terrible. To be very clear, that's not where I am at all. Yeah, yeah, It's just not... It didn't make as much sense to me, and I think that something like that would help make more sense, Mm -hmm. but that's also just, you know, that's how stories work. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel kind of like there's a lot of things that they need to deliver on in episode six to have something like Mm -hmm. in this episode, I felt like Obi-Wan made sense to me and I understood kind of where he was emotionally, but also like there's a conclusion of this arc that very much hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And there was, there was some movement here in this episode, but I do think um, I mean, if you really want to deliver with this series, I do think you have to confront, you know, the issue you're saying, which is like this idea that, you know, attachment is um, 
is the problem, you know? And honestly, if this attachment sort of, if that kind of moment of attachment had gone horribly awry here, um, Mm -hmm. that would kind of make some sense to me in terms of like, I do think Obi-Wan kind of thinks that that was the problem, but I'm not sure, you know? And to be clear, I don't think that's a good lesson. And... (laughs) I don't think that's the lesson of the original trilogy at all, right? In the original trilogy, Obi-Wan and Yoda are like, if you honor for what your friends fight for, you know, then you have to just let them be there and die while you continue the training, and then you'll do your thing. And Luke's like, no, I'm going to go and confront Vader. Doesn't go super good, Hmm. but like, (laughs) you know, gets out alive. And then it's clearly Luke's attachment to Vader, you know, to Anakin, that like is the... End of the story, right? That's why yeah. Anakin turns back and and kills the Emperor, and it, that's kind of almost a like he's like I'm a Jedi, like my father before me, and then Anakin's like yeah I'm a Jedi, but still it is kind of like rejecting the idea of attachment being the problem, you know? Yeah. Which I I don't think the problem for Anakin was attachment. I think the problem was the prohibition of attachment. You know, and then how he reacted to that was, was mm-hmm. the problem. Right. Anakin, we finally got to see Order sixty six for the most part. Right, that part. Yeah. What do you What do you all think about the the prior to the episode? Um, you know, spoiler warning. Basically, I knew spoiler, exactly actually, that that's what that, that that's what it was going to be. Of course. Yeah. Because yeah. they teased. I thought they were going to do it in the first episode, um, mm-hmm. but they did not. Uh, I don't know. I always I feel like that stuff is is important to the story because Anakin, he did something. It's the worst thing you can do. Like, there's no coming back from that, which is exactly Mm -hmm. why Palpatine sent him there to do it. Because once you do that, that's kind of it. I think that's such a really good point. That doesn't get talked about a lot that Palpatine knew that Mm. and having him go kill those people. Mm -hmm. Because like, what are you going to say? Like, take me back. No, you can't after that. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I think that's a, an outstanding point that I, I haven't ever actually really thought about. You know, that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's why Palpatine really? did that was to be like, you cannot come back from this. You know, mm-hmm. it was um, a way to trap him. Yeah, right. Exactly. I do think that like. <laughs> I think to, te- to trap him and to test him. Mm-hmm. It's also a, like, sure. how how ready are you to do yeah. anything I tell you? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I do think that like, I mean. Killing a bunch of people is like, yeah, pretty much the the worst thing you could do. But like, um, I I think killing a bunch of children isn't materially worse than killing a bunch of not children. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's just so much ageism in our world and in Star Wars mm-hmm. as well. And that's kind of like a part of it, you know. Is like this, like I mean, I don't think children's lives should be valued less than they are, but I don't think they should be valued more than adults' lives or, like, even, like, older adults' lives. And I think, I think it's just really messed up. But I think I see your point, but I think that this is where the issue isn't do we think that he crossed a major line. It's that was he crossing one of his own major lines. Oh, yeah. No, that's he, why he, I totally agree with the point in terms of I think yeah. it functions within the context of people's understandings of the values of, of you know, and the, and the consequence right. of different actions. I'm just saying personally, you know, I, th- this, is, this is like a, a pet peeve kind of, of like mm-hmm. how society views things. But in terms of within the context <laughs> of the story, 100%. I think that's an outstanding point. Yeah. Totally. No, totally. I, I get that. And like, this is a somewhat different thing, but I really hate when we're about to see a villain kill a whole bunch of people 
and they have to show us a little kid being cute who's about to be in danger to make it more powerful. Like that, sure. I think, is mm-hmm. nonsense. Yeah. Um, but to go back to your earlier question, I, I think this show, especially coming when it did, I understand why they were like, look, you know, we're, we're talking about dead kids a week after when the first episode came out, a literal week after there was a horrible killing of, of kids in, in the real world. I think we could probably have a longer discussion over on Superhero Ethics about do you do content warnings, do you don't? I think what I'm coming to is like I want people who want content warnings to have full access to them. Yeah. I also don't want things to be spoiled because of them. Mm-hmm. And I think I may have sent this to you, uh, Paul, for, for the exact reason. There's a great website called Does the Dog Die? Right, yeah. And – you can use it to look up almost any piece of media, any book, any movie, uh, any TV show. And it's all user submitted. It's looking like Wikipedia, like it's edited. Sure. But, and and you, probably, you probably have to wait like 24 hours after the thing is up. But it will be – because, like, you know, I think, Paul, you have said, like, you know, watching certain things that would bother many people don't bother you. Yeah. But if the animal is killed, that, that may well be a reason you don't want to watch. Mm-hmm. You know? And for me, it might be like if I see disabled people being treated a certain way, mm-hmm. I might not want to watch. And I think if shows just said, like, generalized trigger warning, check this website for more information. Yeah. You know? Then people could know, okay, let me check if it has one of the things that's going to bother me. and if it, Or just let me see what it is and see if that will bother me. And the people who don't want to do that don't have to. So um, someone I, had posted something like that about a different show around oh, the same yeah. time as the shooting. Yeah. And I, I, w- I had just put on there, I was like, you know, um, you know, hey, this can be kind of a little bit of a spoiler uh, yeah. because, you know, I read it and a couple people had kind of like reported it as like a spoiler. But I said it like in a really nice way and it did not take long. Like I didn't get like attacked, but I was immediately like be told I was, you know, not being... I wasn't caring about the situation. It was it, it was some said specific. I can't remember it. But then I I took I honestly I deleted the post and I DM the person and the conversation went really well. Mm, that's but it's good. like yeah, but uh, yeah, it wasn't. It also wasn't the time. You know, it's not the time to kind of stand up for that. I was like, I don't know. It's all. It's we walk a very weird line. Yeah, I I don't agree that I think it's always the time to stand up for that. Like either. You know, like, I understand, like, something horrible happened and it's very traumatic for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Like, every day so many horrible things happen that are traumatic for a lot of people. And for me, it feels a little bit like sort of like picking favorites. Like, well, this is – I feel like they put the warnings for the things they feel like they have to put the warnings for. Mm -hmm. Not really – like, out of some sort of, like, corporate responsibility. And also the show had a warning. So right. it wasn't like oh, you were okay, putting yeah. it on and not knowing. Yeah, yeah. That makes yeah. – yeah. So so I feel like I don't think any given pe- – like there's there's just no telling what any given thing – like there's some things you'll be like, oh, yeah, well, this clearly is going to upset a certain number of people, right? But like mm-hmm. basically anything could set up – set off anybody, right? And, mm, and so it does. I, <laughs> I think honestly like not having warnings or categories or whatever in, in the front of a piece of content – I think instead, like, just, like, telling people that that website exists. That's great. It says tracking 90-plus categories, including, like, deer toy destruction. Like, I don't want to see someone destroying, like, a teddy bear. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's very specific. But, like, you know what? Maybe I, 
I don't want to see that either. You know. And to be clear, you're not making that up. You're you're on the website. Oh, right I'm now, looking right? at it. That's the first category listed. <laughs> You know, then there's like ableism, anti-Semitism, drug use, car crashes, copaganda. It's like, okay, you know, yeah, well, yeah. Heads getting squashed. That's a like stillbirths, like amputation. Like, you know, eh. yeah, no, these are like things that you're like, okay, yeah, clearly I can see how some of these things and some of these yeah. things I'm going to find very upsetting in certain contexts and other ones. I'm going to be like, okay, well, this is, this is a movie about the Holocaust. There's, there's probably going to be some anti-Semitism depicted, you know. And like, mm-hmm. like I'll give a great example of that. Um, it's long enough <laughs> gone now that I think I don't mind spoiling it. The second Mamma Mia movie is largely about, you know, the mother having died and how everyone else deals with that. Mm-hmm. That is a perfectly fine plot point that movies use all the time. Right. I saw it two months after my own mother had died mm-hmm. and I was absolutely emotionally wrecked. Right. Yeah. I don't think that that's the duty of the movie to so I I would have liked if I'd had the opportunity if I'd known about that website I think I would have had the opportunity to say you know what does a mother die in this okay if it does I'm now asking that question anyway I think we should do a longer podcast on this but it does seem like we're all to to your question I think especially the way I wasn't bothered by this because it was so generalized it was there are scenes in this that may bother people right um, yeah. So I, I think this didn't bother me, but I think if there had been like, you know, violence against children is depicted. Right. Uh, you know, something like that. I would have been more like, eh, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have to go that far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in the context of the, you know, the moment, like it's just it, they might as well have said that as far as I'm concerned, you know, the generalized <laughs> warning. I'm like, you could put that in front of literally any piece of fiction and it would yeah. be true. I mean, you know what I mean? But because you put it in front of this one and it's Star Wars and Order 66, like we know exactly. I'm like, I mean, I, it didn't like upset me, but it kind of made me roll my eyes. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we get Reva's backstory in this one. Yeah. You know, that, See, I got excited because that was something that you sure. said you wanted. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh. And look at that backfire. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I like the actual scene. I know, scene. I know. I like the scene. Here's a question. Here's a question. Well, a content question. Can, can I just question. say one more thing and then you ask your question? Sure. Because to me, I'll also just say, whatever light spoiling happens with those warnings, mm-hmm. it's nowhere near as bad as like you click on the website and the, the episode description pops up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Any of those shows that tell you yeah, yeah. last time on and all of a sudden a character you haven't seen for three seasons is in the last time right. on. Yeah. So then you can be surprised when that character shows up that episode. Like, of all the things that these shows do to spoil us in terrible ways, I think the warning labels are lower on the list. Than yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I, I do think, like, if they specifically showed, like, the, the Grand Inquisitor getting impaled at the beginning of this episode, but not the beginning of the last episode, it'd be like, oh, he's coming back. Sure. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and often the credits, like when they put the credits of the guest stars, like at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, what are you oh. doing? I don't know, want to know that Drusilla comes back in this episode, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I remember exactly that. Yeah, yeah, no, literally that exact thing. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that. Uh-huh. Um, here's a question. So in that scene where um, Vader impales Riva, they showed it like she was just standing there and got impaled by Anakin was that like sort of a fantasy kind of imagining what could have happened then? Or do you think she actually got impaled by Anakin back then and somehow her like dark side energy, like she survived? I'd like to think that that's it. 
I yeah, I, I don't even know if dark side or just that like, you know, he was killing a thousand people, he didn't like check everyone's pulse, but No, yeah, but I mean okay, like I'm got a child got impaled by a lightsaber and yeah. didn't die. Like there there's something that's well, you know she what I mean. She seems to be owed for two for that. Right. <laughs> so well, maybe she's not using the force to push things around, she's just, you know, internally using right, the force in a different to keep way. Her organs intact. Yeah. Just like <laughs> let, the GI. Let me shift my liver over a couple of inches so it's yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think actually what I got out of it was that, you know, because Anakin is, especially as Vader, very good at sensing things in people, you know, like mm-hmm. even as powerful as Luke is, Vader literally reads his mind to be like, oh, you're protecting, oh, you're protecting your sister. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. he's good at getting inside people's heads and he's good at sensing where they are with the force. Yeah. I, I took it as he sensed some darkness in this kid already and was like, you know what? What if I don't give her a death blow? What, <laughs> let's see. Let's see what happens. I'll just know? run her through one time and see what happens. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> it's always through the shoulder. Maybe. So little time, so many kids to kill. Yeah. I. I mean, because the way they shot it, it did. It, it felt to me like it was certainly being mirrored in her head, mm-hmm. and I thought the idea was that because it, it was the same kind of thing. And mm-hmm. to me, like Vader's not going to forget that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's also, right. like, that actually happened then, right? That's yeah, your interpretation. Yeah. 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 I, I think I think Vader in this very intentionally stabbed her in a way that was very reminiscent of exactly what he did to her back then. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I like – that's how I choose to interpret it as well. But I thought it was um, perhaps not, not as much vague as much as open for interpretation is how I would say it. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fair. It's artsy. That red yeah. uh, lightsaber fight, though, was so good. Everything, so good. and then when I thought I was like, "Oh no, it's almost over," and then he throws her the lightsaber back. I was like, "Yes, round two. Yeah, <laughs> keep it going." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to say that that whole confrontation to me made up for the sort of what felt like awkwardness at the end of episode four, where he mm. was confronting Riva and like kind of felt like Vader was getting punked a little bit and I was kind of like I don't know like this this He's doesn't playing the game. feel Vader to me right exactly yeah. but knowing that that was all a setup mm-hmm. I'm like right. okay okay I can get with that and and the fact that he tossed the you know the saber back to her and was like all right let's go again um I love yeah. you know it's just, mm-hmm. it's so like the you know the level of sort of like calm and just like kind of domination that mm-hmm. that Vader displays at, in that scene in episode 5 I think is that's very much like the Darth Vader that I know and love. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It was great. I mean, like I think we saw this even in the original trilogy but especially in stuff that's come later. You know, like people have talked about this how in Rogue One That's like, like my favorite ca- scene. <laughs> his cape is billowing in a spaceship that has no wind. Like, he's doing that for effect, you know? <laughs> or, like, I think literally he, like, walks in with all his machinery turned off. So he's, like, not breathing for 30 seconds. Yeah. And right. in, in, Star, in Star Wars Rebels, yeah. he doesn't just fly a spaceship. He gets on top of the spaceship <laughs> and force moves the spaceship to land. Right. Just to be extra. Like, yeah, that's exactly yeah. what Anakin would do. For sure. Oh, Anakin. <laughs> love it. I love the Skywalker boys. So sad. <laughs> so extra. Yep. <laughs> so, do we think that that's going to be why they named uh, uh, Leia named Ben Ben? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that was always after Kenobi, right? But it was always kind of unclear. 
how right. much they potentially mm-hmm. knew each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I if that's a little not a little bit of a loop or plot hole because they obviously never talk about it. Right. The, so yeah, maybe it's, she forgets it's a gap. him. I don't know because he does age five thousand years between uh, <laughs> now and when she sees I, him. <laughs> I, you know what? I want to. I want to say something about that too. Like you and McGregor's age in this is not that off track from um, Alec Guinness's age in the first movie in A New mm-hmm. Hope. You know, and yeah. I think there's this very different perception of. Um, like how much different people look as they age. And I think in the 70s, people kind of just aged how they aged. Yeah. And now people like pretend that they don't age, you know, yeah. <laughs> to an extent. And, you know, and I it mean, makes some more of sense if hair. you've been living on a sun planet, you're going to look like a raisin. Sure. Yeah, exactly. You're going to, you know, you're going to wrinkle a little bit. And you know, there's some block on Tatooine. Not so much with the Botox, you know, back in the 70s, <laughs> as far as I understand. So um, I would totally yeah, use the force I, to keep my face in place. Right. Yeah. I, I have totally come around to that. I think at first I didn't see it, but then I realized because what I was looking specifically for was the hair color. Yeah. And you're right. Like mm-hmm. there are so many other signs of aging, and hair color can change pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, especially in high stress situations. Absolutely. And for that matter, I mean, Ewan McGregor in this, I think, has sort of salt and pepper, but it's like the hair's blonde to begin with, so it mm-hmm. it's not as pronounced. But it's like if you look, you're like, oh yeah, there's. There's some white in the beard, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's um, got some Doctor Strange streaks yeah. going on a little bit. Right. So, I, you know, it doesn't feel to me as... I'm like, no, this actually seems like pretty believable aging in terms of... Uh, I mean, uh, it's funny that Sebastian Shaw, who played, you know, uh, Anakin in Return of the Jedi, right, was I th- was older, I believe, than Alec Guinness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anakin's supposed to be younger, but, like, he he aged pretty rough. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and I think they ate, they aged up Alec Guinness like using like seventies technology, but yeah, he Alec he, Guinness did makeup. not look as old <laughs> as Obi Wan Kenobi did. Ah, uh, maybe I guess. I mean, I think he was supposed to look like a you know uh, that 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 wizard's just a crazy old man or something kind of thing, you know. <laughs> but like, but I, I don't think they did a lot. It's you know, it's not like the Emperor, you know. Yeah, right. I, I mean, it's also possible that like. At age ten, I thought someone in their fifties was very, very old. At yeah, forty-four. I'm like, no, he's not that old. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, totally. And well, he wants an old man. Yeah. That means he's he has to be twenty years older than me at all times. Right. Fry. People's perception of age is highly dependent on their own age. This has always been true. Mm-hmm. It really, it really is, it really is. So we're wrapping up. Here's the three questions I want to ask you all about uh, episode six, or one question, three parts. What's one thing that you would like to see happen in episode six. What's one thing that you think is probably not going to happen, but would just like make you absolutely ecstatic if you did get to see it. And what's one thing that you absolutely do not want to have happen. And you'll be annoyed if it does happen in episode six. Mm, I could do this. I, I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, um, please do I it. really want to see another Vader uh, Kenobi lightsaber fight. Um, I would really love if Ahsoka showed up and Whoa. What don't I want? Uh, uh, I don't know. You have to get back to me. So uh, let me think about that one. <laughs> so I don't really have anything, and I mostly um, am going to abstain from answering the question because 
I think I enjoyed this episode more by kind of going in without much in the way of expectations. That's fair. And so That's I fair. think that hopefully will work well for me in the sixth episode. Um, you know, like I want to enjoy things, right? But yeah. like if there's something that really bothers me, like I'm not going to trick myself into enjoying it. But like, you know, the the frame of mind going into something uh, definitely has an influence, you know. Uh, I, I will say I don't want to see Ahsoka versus Vader. Um, Even if she's in a flashbacks, give me something. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Although, like, mm, you're going to make Rosario Dawson play a teenager while Hayden Christensen plays like a 20. Tw- oh, okay. <laughs> like, you know it. what? She- Here's the other thing. I think and this is where this kind of goes back to our question earlier about, like, continuity and stuff like that. I think, I think Star Wars is kind of in this weird place right now where there are three different levels of canon. And they're all considered canon, but in different ways. There's the live action on film stuff. There's the animated film stuff. And then there's the books. And I think to some extent, like, the, 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 the live action is the most, like, we expect that you've seen all the other stuff in order for this to make sense. The other ones are more on the level of, like, yeah, it's going to help you if you've seen these. But we're not going to tell the story in a way that you're going to miss things if you haven't seen that. And, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I think and Paul, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but but I think part of the little discon- no, part of the little disagreement there, what not even disagreement, but why we saw it differently is Paul and I have seen an epic confrontation yeah. between Vader and Ahsoka. I watched that episode. Okay. Oh, you have seen that too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. But it's like pretty clear that they have not had any contact between those two. I think. I mean, I know Matthew, you think that it seems like Vader and Obi-Wan hadn't had any contact between, yeah. you know, in that 20-year span. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it's open for interpretation, but it felt to me clearly like Ahsoka did not know that, you know, that yes. that was Anakin. Um and I think she didn't even really know much about Vader, which mm-hmm. uh, sometimes it's like it's hard to kind of have all these things happen and make sense. If you give me a flashback and it's good, I'll take it though. I'll I'll mm-hmm. I'll give you that. And like, <laughs> yes, please on a lightsaber fight. You know, multiple lightsaber yeah. fights. Just give me this one had lots of lightsaber fights peppered throughout and then lightsaber versus blasters. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, just more of that. Please yeah, and it was you. what I wanted. Yeah. And I yeah. think we'll get that. I think yeah, it's like I 100% we're going to get a showdown Vader versus Obi-Wan. And, what I don't um, want to see is no lightsaber fights. <laughs> right, right, right. A lack of lightsaber yeah. fights is what I don't want to see. All right. I'm with yeah. you on that. You got me. I, I think it's very fair. It. And I think, frankly, we might see a number of people involved in a lightsaber fight. Because I think Reva against the Grand Inquisitor or mm. like those two. like It might yeah. be like a four-way lightsaber battle mm. with yeah. some crossing over. Oh, I do think that in this episode they did establish that Obi-Wan that Anakin relies a little bit too much on his lightsaber and that there's a whole thing where like Anakin disarms Obi-Wan and thinks he's won but then Obi-Wan is like no like you haven't won yet right. so i think i i think that was setting up for the idea that Obi-Wan is going to win the confrontation but without necessarily defeating him with a lightsaber mm-hmm. but i think there will be a lightsaber mm-hmm. fight for sure yeah it's History. funny it's funny though because to that point, Vader like defeated Reva, Reva without using a lightsaber. Like no, like it was a lightsaber duel, but he he never drew his lightsaber. It was just hers. It was just yeah. hers. 
Yeah. And he was just yeah, using the force against her constantly. And then finally took her lightsaber, broke it in half. It was like, here, you can have one half. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I'm not even got Like, it was just so contemptuous. It was like, I'm not even going to draw. You know? Yeah. It wasn't like... I was thinking of that scene in comparison to like Inigo Montoya, where he's like, I want to defeat you in the most honorable combat I can. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. like Vader is just like, oh... <laughs> I will have more fun with this mouse if this mouse gets a weapon for yeah. a while. Right, exactly. He was, like, playing with his food, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> I, I think you make a good point, Paul. And I think in terms of, like, not trying to have expectations, I think, though, it goes back to the whole thing about, like, to me, that's the problem with prequels, you know, is mm-hmm. that. And I will say uh, it was just announced today that the Taiko Waititi Star Wars trilogy is going to have very little connection to, like, the Skywalker story, mm-hmm. if, no, if any at all. Hmm. And I was thrilled to hear that. Yeah, there's a tri- yeah I don't even know this is a thing. <laughs> yeah, like, to me, but far, Rogue One is far and away my, my favorite prequel because I think it is such a good job of, like, we're going to tell you a story based in the same world, but mm-hmm. none of the same characters. Or, the, or a few characters are going to be very, very minimal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's going to interact a little bit, but it's not going to... It's really only going to favorably influence your perception of something else by being like, no, no, really, this fatal flaw, there was was a reason. It wasn't a ridiculous, you know, oversight. Because I was kind of thinking about that, about the conversation we had about um, attachment. Because, Paul, I think you said it very well. The whole point of the original trilogy is that the idea that you cannot be, that you can, that you have to not have attachments in order to be a Jedi breaks with Luke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for that to make sense, Obi-Wan can't have learned that lesson. Mm. Like, or, or at least not in the same way. You know, right. like to me, if Anakin has figured out, no, it's okay, I I should have let Anakin have attachments, then I question why he and Yoda were like, yeah, but don't have attachments, Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's reasonable. And and that that does limit kind of how much... Like, what kind of character development you can have here, right? Right. To some extent. Yeah. Uh, but I will continue to view this as a sequel to the prequels, not as a prequel, like in order that. to <laughs> mentally sidestep that potential chasm. That's fair. And if they have some Ahsoka thing and it doesn't fit with Rebels, that's okay. I don't yeah. care about canon anyway. I, I kind of just never have. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really fair. I think for me, Ahsoka isn't the thing I really want, especially because, like I said, the, the timing of, gonna... of who the actors are wouldn't really work out. But also, like, we see, we know Ahsoka's going to get her own show. Yeah, that's, I think that's a big one. The thing that I think there's a decent chance of that I would like to see happen is Liam Neeson. That we, oh. he does get to talk to Force Ghost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, that, that has to happen. That'd be fun. Yeah, um, do that. I think that has to happen. The thing that's a reach for me that's like I don't think they're going to do it, especially not in the sixth episode, and especially because, like I said, we're not really treating the animated as as canonical as the live action, but I would really like to see some reference to Satine. Mm. Um, you know, we sort of got it a little bit, but but it was actually really Padme he was talking about. But, I mean, that was that was such a fu- – like, I would like it to be part of his conversation with, with Qui-Gon, you know, about, like, where did he go wrong with Anakin or, like, mm-hmm. some kind of reference. Even if he doesn't say the name Satine, but him saying, like, maybe because of the love that I turned my back on, that that's why I couldn't stop Anakin or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, and as for the thing that I really don't want to see, it's – I think that it's I don't want to see Reva – I don't want to see a redemption arc for Reva. I want to let her be – 
the dark side character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think in some ways that actually was part of what made me feel really okay with Tala's death. Because I think there may have been a version of the script or someone in some script room said, well, so what if Reva has this noble death defending them and like Obi-Wan gets really upset about that. And they're like, uh, and, and so that's where the character of Tala was born, you know, and I'm, I'm headcanning the writer's yeah, room there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm not saying it went like that, but I'm just saying like, I put it another way. I think they could have written it in a way where the character who Obi-Wan gets upset about when she dies nobly to save them is Reva. Mm. And mm-hmm. I'm very glad they didn't do that. And <laughs> so if they kind of do that, I would both A, think it kind of undercuts Tala's story and definitely think it undercuts Reva's story. So are um, we supposed to think at the end that she is going to tell somebody about what's on Tatooine? I was a little confused about the whole Luke thing at the end. Um, I'm not sure what we're supposed to think. I think we're supposed to think, oh no, she has the thing. This is going to be bad. Better tune yeah. in next week for episode six, the exciting okay. conclusion of the series. But I don't know. Because um, like, I, why would she be going after her? Yeah, like it seems like she's clearly headed to Tatooine. So like, I guess we'll see what happens there, you know? Hmm. And I okay. think it'll be a multi-way showdown. Um, you know, maybe like what? What if the end is actually because you see? I do want to uh, speak to your point, Matthew. But you see, like, there's some spoilery frickin' poster somewhere that clearly shows Obi Wan standing somewhere on Tatooine, waiting to have a duel with. It looks like Vader, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm not sure if maybe that's not Vader and that's Reva, and she's just going after Luke for whatever reason, to be like, oh, let me get this Force-using boy and use him against Vader somehow. I don't know. And yeah. it would be interesting if the showdown was actually between Obi-Wan and Reva and not Obi-Wan and Vader. I hmm. don't think that's how it's going to go. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, um, you know, the headcanon is strong in this one. Um, <laughs> in terms of, like, in terms of the, the like, writer's room, like... I don't know. I think you've always got these like, well, I think what they were going to do is this and then this. And I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe. I don't really feel that so much. But I do totally agree that's the way they could have gone. And yeah, I'm, that's why I changed it to it yeah. could have been this way and I'm glad it was. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, 100%. Yeah. I, I think at this point the only one that I will – that I will the only hill that I will die on in terms of what I think would have happened in the writer's room is I think that in the – in uh, Rise of Skywalker, it was supposed to be Leia who talks Ben Solo, who talks Kylo Ren back into being Ben Solo, but then because Carrie Fisher died, they got Harrison Ford back for it. Yeah, I don't that, even think that's, that's the only one where I'm like, I'm pretty positive that's what happened. I, Everything else, who the hell knows? <laughs> I don't think that's even speculation. I thought that had been confirmed that, like, they oh, said, like, yeah, the plan was to have Carrie here, but, like, she's dead, so we yeah. used. Uh, Harrison instead like I'm I'm pretty sure that was actually like explicitly stated and and you're not yeah you know hypothesizing Mm -hmm. that one but but if not then like yeah for sure I'm hypothesizing it it may just be that my hypothesis has been confirmed and I don't know it or or you heard the story and forgot you heard the story and the story confirmed your hypothesis and (laughs) I'm pretty uh, sure we talked about it (laughs) yeah I think oh no yeah I've brought it up many times yeah sure but anyway all right, I think it's probably a good place to wrap up. Any of the last comments you all had on the episode? Uh, nope, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, you know? Give me another one <laughs> I, really I like. It. I mean, Mandalorian Season 2, I didn't like the first few episodes that much. 
I loved the conclusion, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, let's do that again. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I think overall, I want to see where the sixth episode goes, but I think, you know, there are the there are, there are certain movies that I have no interest in watching because they just don't feel like Star Wars to me, like Solo or Rise of Skywalker. There are certain movies, which, by the way, has nothing to do with Ray being a Skywalker. Sure. Shut up, idiot fans who think I just agreed with you. Um, there, and there are some movies that are like, okay, they're good for the Star Wars story, but I don't want to watch them again because they're really painful, like Attack of the Clones. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. To me, this is neither one of those. It's not the like, if I really want awesome Star Wars, like there's maybe three or four that I'll turn on. You know, Rogue One, Last Jedi, Empire, the the, the whole original trilogy, really. Mando season one. Mm-hmm. Um, this this isn't at that level, but it's also not like, yeah, it's not like. I'm mad they made this. I'm glad they made it. It's not the story I would have expected. It has some things that raise, make me raise my eyebrow, but I'm enjoying it. I'm glad that they made it. Good. Me too. Uh, all right. Yeah, so where was... else can we hear oh. both of the things that you all are creating? <laughs> or uh, see, not even just here. Um, my stuff's pretty simple. Always on the MCU cast. Uh, we're kind of, we're, the boys is on Pandavision. You guys are doing that. Um, that's it. I don't have a lot going on. Yeah, and I'm Zen Madman on, like, all the places, including YouTube, but then I'm also Zen Madman Poker on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and of course, I'm The Ethical Panda. You can find all my podcasting at theethicalpanda.com. It has been all Kenobi all the time. Uh, we had a, a couple of other episodes that we're m- meaning to put up, but uh, on the superhero ethics side of things, we've had some technical problems. We'll be getting those fixed. We do have some other, uh, and I, I was trying to record an episode this week, and then some, uh, I, I was not in a great place uh, physically, so I was not able to do that. So this is just going to be kind of a all Kenobi all the time month, but I promise there will be some great superhero ethics stuff coming for you soon as well. <laughs> so check all that out, and most importantly, give us feedback. Uh, we've already done one great feedback episode. Uh, we're going to do another one on episodes four and five with, again, the, the Hayashis, Riki and Sarah. Uh, we've gotten some great questions already, including a, a Shakespearean comment that I'm really excited to get into. So send in your feedback. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the episodes. Let us know what you think what we have to say. You can find all that on theethicalpanda.com, our Facebook, our Twitter, our email, all the ways to contact us. So, I'm, uh, so on behalf of myself, Paul, Ashley, thank you all so much. And as fans, be excellent to each other. The first transport is away. I knew you were going to say, I was like, is he going to (laughs) go? Bye. I usually wait for for you. I figure you go first. Bye.